When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here with the Draft A quarterback episode. That's right. The Giants need to draft a quarterback. And I know you've been on the Daniel Jones wagon the whole time. Why do they need to draft a quarterback if you think he's a good player in the NFL? Why in this draft? They have the sixth pick. They're not a position. I'll get, I'll get to that in a few minutes. We'll also have Field Yates, uh, ESPN NFL reporter, insider, fantasy analyst. He did his first and dropped his first mock draft this week. And when Field talks, I listen for two reasons. Because in this situation, he is a scouting factor. So that comes into the play with the draft. And two, he also has a lot of connections in the league. So I trust and I pay attention when he says things. So we'll get to Field Yates and his mock draft. Uh, who he took for the Giants, hint, hint, it wasn't a quarterback. That's why I'm going to tell you right now why I think they need to draft a quarterback, but not necessarily with that first pick because it seems, and let's just, we're assuming here, at least for now, because we don't know otherwise, that the Chicago Bears are going to stay there and draft Caleb Williams. The likelihood is that the next two teams are uh, the Commanders and the Patriots. They both need quarterbacks in the worst way possible. So the top three quarterbacks who are going to get drafted very highly, talking about Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whatever order it may be, are likely not going to be around when the Giants draft at six. And if they want any of those three guys, even if they fall a spot or two, they'll probably have to trade up to four or five. Worst, like best case scenario, they want any of those three guys. But I still... It's, it's hard for me to envision at this point that they can get their hand on those three guys. So until that changes, at number six, there's that second tier of quarterback, right? Uh, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy. Is it really worth expending the number six overall pick for those guys? The answer is probably no. I mean, I know quarterbacks fly up in the process, but it's still probably no. But I still think the move for the Giants is to somehow, some way, draft a quarterback. Now, if they ultimately think Bo Nix is going to be a stud and a star or Michael Penix or J.J. McCarthy and they take him at six, I will not sit here and pan the, the move. Just like I did not sit there and pan the move when Dave Gettleman did it at number six. Because I believe if you need a quarterback, you get him at all costs. And you don't really worry about too much about the price. Now, the quarterback evaluation is a completely different story. Okay, now Dave Gettleman overvalued what Daniel Jones is, even though I think he's a quality quarterback in the NFL, he's not a star quarterback. So to then take him at six was probably was get him getting overdrafted. Now, probably the same situation with Penix, McCarthy, Knicks. But if the Giants locate or decide any of those guys are the dude. Remember, Patrick Mahomes was drafted, what, ninth, tenth? Get to him in a few minutes. But 
there are quarterbacks that you could take. Lamar Jackson was drafted 32nd. Like, I think that if the Giants recognize a quarterback that they think is the guy, they should get him and find a way to move back into the first round for J.J. McCarthy or Bo Bo Nixon or Michael Penix. So find a way to get one of those three guys and potentially keep your number six overall pick. That, to me, is the Giants' play. Now, who is that guy? I've only done a little research on these guys. I mean, by research, I mean talking to people around the league about them. Uh, Most of the people I trust don't think any of them are really top 10 picks. But it's Joe Shane's job, just as it was Dave Gettleman's job. Some people are like, oh, well, Sam Darnold ended up not being great. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, not Josh Allen, uh, Josh Rosen ended up being a bust. It's the GM's job, right? They get paid all this money to locate which guy is the dude. That's their job. So that's on Joe Shane. And I know it's not easy, but that's what your fate is basically resting on. Your ability to recognize a quarterback. That's on him to figure out which of these guys is the next great quarterback. And if he hits on one, you know, he'll have Joe Shane and Brian Dable will have a nice career with his new quarterback, just like they did in, in Buffalo. With Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen didn't go first or second. He was the, what did it go? It went Mayfield, Saquon, um, Darnold. Josh Allen went seventh. Josh Rosen go before him? I think he might, uh, I think he went ninth. Whatever. He went third or fourth. So, you know, locate the right guy, figure out where the, the sweet spot is, and go get him. It doesn't have to be in the top six, in the top three. If the Giants think one of those other guys is the dude, go get him. Find a way. Make it happen. Joe Shane and his staff, it's their job to figure out which quarterback is that guy. And the reason the Giants need to go quarterback here, right, is not because uh, Daniel Jones is a scrub and people want to get rid of him and he stinks. And he... It's because two reasons. Number one, he's not that star. Like, he could be a quality quarterback in the league, especially on the right team. I mean, you put him in the 49ers, Daniel Jones would be really good. Promise you. But he's a quarterback who needs a lot of help. He's not a guy who's going to carry. He's not a guy who is a superstar. That's never going to be him. But even more so, he has three major injuries now in three years. Two neck injuries and a torn ACL. Who's betting their future on that? Joe Shane and Brian Dable would be making a critical mistake if they decided they're going to bet your future on Daniel Jones. There's just way too much injury risk on top of the fact is what's the ceiling? The ceiling isn't superstar. And go back and look, and look who won the Super Bowl again this this year. Look who won the Super Bowl on Sunday. It was Patrick Mahomes leading his team down the field multiple times at the end of the game because he's Patrick Mahomes. So if you go back and look at the, the, the Super Bowl champions for like the last 20 years, the list reads something like this. Mahomes, Mahomes, Brady, Stafford, Brady, Mahomes. Uh, Eli twice, Big Ben a couple times, Breeze, Peyton Manning. I mean, it's a star, star-studded list. A who's who of quarterbacks? Aaron Rodgers is in there at one point. I mean, Nick Foles actually slipped in, but you get my point. Out of the last twenty, there's like four that aren't complete superstars. So the goal needs to be to get one of those superstars. And this is an opportunity. Strong quarterback draft. A lot of draft capital. Two second round picks. A lot to work with there. Go get a quarterback. And even better is 
okay, you don't need to rush that quarterback because you do have Daniel Jones this year, right? He's coming back from injury, should be back by around the start of training camp. I have a story out, go look at it. Um, quarterbacks come back a little bit faster to practice than you would think. You know, eight months takes them up until, or nine months takes them up, eight months takes them to the start of training camp, nine months takes them to the middle of August. Quarterbacks, though, the history, recent history shows most of them come back earlier, seven, eight months. So Daniel Jones back for the start of training camp, entirely realistic. And then it's all right if you take a quarterback and you put him on the, you know, you put him on the bench for a year, or a year, or at least half the year, and start Daniel Jones. Think about the great quarterbacks in recent years. Some of them. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. What's the common threat? All of them sat their rookie year. So it's not the end of the world if you sit. Whoever you draft, I don't care if he's 24 years old, like Bo Nix. Michael Penix is older too because of the injuries that set him back. That's fine. It's fine. You play late in your career at quarterback. If you play from 25 to 35, that is more than enough. That's a good career. And guys, by the way, are playing till later than 35 a lot of quarterbacks these days, especially if they're not totally reliant on their legs and running. So to me, the Super Bowl just proved again. You need a star quarterback. The Giants, they need a star quarterback. They need a reliable quarterback who doesn't have this injury history. Can't bet your future on a quarterback with two neck injuries and is coming off a torn ACL. To me, that would be malpractice. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's welcome in Field Yates. Uh, now an NFL draft analyst as well, adding to his resume. He's an NFL analyst. He's a fantasy expert. Field, you you, you do it all now, man. You know, the great, in the words of the great Bill Parcells, uh, the more you can do, the more you can do. He had that way of uh, somehow being simple but eloquent at the same time. That was always, or that is always one of my favorite phrases that Barcells used to lean heavily into back in the day. Yeah, it certainly applies, I mean, into our industry as well. Yeah. I'm just curious, uh, so you, you dropped your first mock draft today, but I'm just curious, does it feel like home for you? Because, I mean, you did come up through like a scouting background, so this is kind of your wheelhouse. Yeah, it feels like uh, it's, what's, what's the old, it's like riding a bike again, right? You know, like there's some things that are certainly uh, familiar to me uh, what's interesting is that while much of the world is right now focused in on not just the first round, but the guys really at the top of the board, right? Giants fans, I'm sure, are enamored by the idea of you know the various options at pick six. Uh, but for someone like me, I'm more thinking about it sort of the opposite way. Like, 
The process on studying those guys began a long time ago, and the film work is not done until the draft begins. But, you know, I, I, I watched pretty much all the plays that I need to watch on some of those top wide receivers to know that absent them getting hurt, like there's no way they're dropping in this process for me, right? Mm-hmm. It's figuring out how guys who are maybe more likely to be fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks fit in, right? You've had some exposure to them on film. You maybe saw them at Senior Bowl. Uh, and now you're trying to grind through the rest of the tape to get you ready for the move on day three that, you know, may only matter for that moment, right? We may not talk about some of these guys a whole lot during the pre-draft process, but on you know day three, round five, if the Giants take a, you know, cornerback from Louisiana Tech, Giants fans want to know, who do they just pick up? What's the value? What can he bring to our roster? So that preparation is certainly underway and in some ways can actually be the more daunting task than trying to sort out the players at the top of the board because while we're definitely going to have rankings and we'll definitely have debates, you know, at the end of the day, if the Giants end up with Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors, just as an example, like those two are absolute we, stuff. We, There's no going wrong. Right, right, right. There's no going wrong between those two options. Okay, so before we get to the Giants pick, which Hint is one of those two guys, uh, I'm curious your approach to this because there's two different ways, right? You can do it based on how you, I know now it's early, so it's probably more based on your evaluations, but I'm curious how you plan on handling this. Are you going to be more of basing it on what you see in your evaluations or what you hear? I think it's going to have to be more the latter because there are times that the league has more information on players that we on the outside have available. A lot of that is medically related or character related or you know, football makeup that we don't have as much available to us when you're watching it on film. So you have to rely on the people that have been tracking these players in the case of area scouts for over a year now. These guys know everything about every prospect in their area. So right now, it's probably a little bit of a blend. The best example that I can give without giving away the entire mock draft is, uh, you know, I have Bo Nix going 20th to the Steelers. And I don't think the Steelers uh, would get a massive upgrade uh, from Kenny Pickett to Bo Nix. But I do think it is an upgrade, and I think it's more representative of the idea that Bo, I think, has an excellent shot of going in the first round. Moreover, the Steelers need to exhaust every resource this offseason to find a way to beef up their quarterback room. So there's a bit of an art to it. It's not scientific. And uh, I think I found one mock draft in that there's very little chance that you can appease uh, the majority of fan bases. So like, if if we can even hit a 50% approval rate, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to find out. Uh, I would take a 50% approval rating. Like, I'm not even trying to be greedy. Like, I don't need 75 or 80. Uh, 50% to me would feel like a big win. That might be uh, overly optimistic. So, with that being said, number six pick, you have the Giants taking Malik Neighbors. Uh, number seven goes Roma Dunze, the wide receiver from Washington. Neighbors, of course, the wide receiver from LSU. Uh, why? The first thing I say is, I mean, they're both, like you said, supposed to be excellent prospects. Why neighbors over Odunze in this situation? I mean, so again, this is like splitting hairs. So in terms of the narrowest margins here, I think League Neighbor is the most explosive player in the entire class. This past year, what he was able to do down the field uh, as the top target for Jaden Daniels was just incredible. Uh, he's the best big play threat amongst all the wide receivers in this class as well. I love Odunze, so I will give him... All the praise that he deserves. So consistent this past season. He had at least five catches in all but one game this past year. Terrific body control. Terrific route runner. Great in the red zone. But Malik Neighbors gives something to the Giants that they don't have nearly enough of, which is easy yardage, right? I mean, 
The Giants this past season obviously struggled, and a lot of that was due to injury uh, and protection issues uh, and the quarterback holding on to the football for too long. But you just need some, like, every once in a while, you need an easy one, right? You need a, you need a play that is designed to go eight yards that goes 48 yards. And Malik mm-hmm. Neighbors is best equipped to do that amongst all the wide receivers in this class, including Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, I've been studying a lot of DBs from the SEC because, as you can imagine, every year there are lots of SEC DBs that end up getting drafted, getting drafted. And you have to kind of recalibrate when you're watching them against LSU because Neighbors is just consistently carving these guys up and you feel bad. You don't want to knock the guy too too much because, you know, it's a bad rep. But at the same time, this guy might be a top five player in the entire class. So uh, Malik Neighbors is one of my favorite players in the entire uh, entire class. And, you know, pretty clearly to me, uh, you know, a guy that if he falls to pick six is the kind of guy that I would say is like sprint the card into the commissioner type of value for the Giants. When you look at him and talking about Neighbors, is he winning Obviously, he wins in all different ways, but primarily by physical ability. Is he winning by route running? Is he uh, winning just he tightly contested catches? What do you see most from him? Yeah, so I would say that route running certainly stands out. I mean, the way that he glides is just remarkable. The explosiveness that I mentioned earlier. So he's got speed down the field as well, but it's that combination of speed and route running that makes him just so devastating. Uh, LSU had a game this past year at Alabama. Uh, Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, ended up getting hurt uh, at near the end of the third quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter. And LSU ends up losing the game 42-28. to But in the opening quarter, first one of the first plays, road environment, hostile. Jaden Daniels finds a wide-open Malik Neighbors. He ran right past an Alabama secondary that's going to have two corners that are definitely getting drafted, maybe even a second one in the first round. I mean, there's all kinds of defensive stars on that Alabama side of the ball, and Malik Neighbors was playing at a different gear than them. But what also stood out is, you know, when you play against a quarterback who's as mobile as Jaden Daniels is, and he's the most mobile quarterback in the entire class, mm-hmm. you have to make a decision. If you play man-to-man coverage against Jaden Daniels and the LSU offense and wherever he ends up in the NFL, the risk you run is that if he takes off and runs, you either have a spy who's probably not as fast as him, or nobody who's accounting for Jaden Daniels because you've got that extra rusher in pressure. Meanwhile, if you play zone coverage, Jaden Daniels is accurate enough as a passer to do damage. And up this past year, like the ability for Malik Neighbors to play on a string with Jaden Daniels really showed me he's got like not just route running ability, but also instincts and intuition. Kind of knew where to settle in on zones, kind of knew where he was at all times. Good spatial awareness that turned a lot of plays that could have been eight-yard curls into 15-yard first downs, a huge part of LSU's success this past season. You We're sitting here, we're talking with Field Yates, our uh, new NFL uh, mock draft guy. He, he's he's entered he's entered the mix. We could, we could throw him in, obviously. You know, we got Mel Kuyper, we got Matt Miller, Jordan Reed, and now Field Yates added to the mix. Uh, a nice addition. Field has got an awesome football background, and I trust his uh, evaluation instincts greatly. With that being said, we talked a lot about LSU here because of neighbors. And you mentioned Jaden Daniels, the quarterback at LSU, his name often. You have him going second above Drake May. So Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May. Go to ESPN.com. Uh, you find uh, Fields full draft. Why Jaden Daniels second? And is do you see is are there any scenarios where you see it going without those three being the top three picks? Like, is there a scenario you think? 
aside from the Bears trading, that the Giants can get one of those three quarterbacks. Yeah, I think it's unlikely that they would get one of those three quarterbacks at pick six, but I think that the opportunity to move up might be on the table here. And the reason that I would say that is, well, I have those quarterbacks going one, two, three, and if I were the GM for any of those teams, I feel strongly that I would be taking one of these three quarterbacks. What you have to account for is that the further back in the order you are, the further down the quarterback board you might be. And if the Patriots had picked three, as an example, don't feel as though whoever that third quarterback is, is the solution for their problems, then all of a sudden they would be motivated to move back a few slots. And that being said, I mean, I got to tell you, if the Patriots, after their defensive, defensive, I'm sorry, their offensive deficiencies over the past two years and definitely over the past season and a half, don't feel like they can take a quarterback with one of those three picks. I'm sorry, one of those three quarterbacks with their third overall pick. To me, that's it's just a miscalculation. You have to right. do it. Like you're you're basically, I mean, you're drawing dead otherwise, right? I mean, they create and maybe in in March they do something on the free agent market that surprises me. But what quarterback other than Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield do I think certainly could return to their respective franchises? Do you say to yourself, yeah, that's the solution? Right, like if Russell Wilson is cut, are we positive that he is the answer to anybody's questions? Because he was benched after less than two seasons in Denver and had two substandard years relative to where he was during his time in Seattle. Josh Dobbs, the clock struck midnight there. The reality is that very few quarterback options become available in free agency. And if you want to go the trade route, only one team can trade for Justin Fields. And if I'm the Patriots, I certainly ain't giving up pick number three for Justin Fields, and I would not be willing to give up that pick 36 for Justin Fields or 35 for Justin Fields as well. So uh, if I were them, I would take whichever of the three quarterbacks is left over. Obviously, I would take the second quarterback off the board from the commanders. But if the Patriots are unconvinced on quarterback three, then the possibility of moving down is in play. So those are the top three quarterbacks, and it's pretty much consensus. Uh, surely we're early in the draft process, and teams like to bring quarterbacks in. That's a key part of the equation for them of, finding out what kind of individual they are. Can they handle the market? Can they handle the pressure? And all the things that come around it. Then there's a second tier. <laughs> uh, generally, it's perceived to be, you know, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, uh, Michael Penix. Am I missing a, a, anyone else? Those are the three. Okay, so J. J. There, there's those Bo three guys. Mike. You have J.J. McCarthy high, going high in this draft. Bo Nix in the first round. But don't have Michael Penix, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Well, how did you sort of land in that order? Yeah, those guys are in a tier. I'm glad you used that word because it's important to remember that while we will end up ranking them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, et cetera, uh, sometimes you better you're better served looking at them in clusters rather than, you know, one versus two, two versus three, three versus four, et cetera. Um I felt like this exercise would be a whole lot easier and probably more understandable from the fans' perspective if I had the ability to make trades. Uh, we resist trades and mock drafts at this juncture of the process. We will account for them later on. It was hard to find perfect fits for those few players. And with Michael Pettix, who I did not have in that first round, as you mentioned, it might be a whole lot easier if you're imagining a scenario where a team could trade up from the 30s or 40s into the back end of the first round. Beyond the Giants. I the Giants, that would be a good one, yes. Uh, two picks, remember, the Leonard Williams trade. That's right. They, they have some extra ammo to move up. Um, and additionally, you've got teams that won't have their quarterback plans come to fruition in March, right? So 
Um, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I would bet on this right now. But if Kirk Cousins isn't back in Minnesota, what are they doing? Right? They can't just settle. They need to have a quarterback somewhere there, and it's going to be hard to replace him. Otherwise, uh, that's an example. I don't think Baker's going to leave Tampa, but if he does, Tampa all of a sudden becomes in the mix. It's sort of unmovable as far as the Derek contract, uh, Derek Carr contract is concerned. But the Saints, if they felt like what they got last year wasn't enough from Derek Carr. And I think there were certain corners uh, in New Orleans that felt like that wasn't the case. Could they be a team that explores the quarterback market? So uh, I landed on JJ and Bo uh, over Michael Penix Jr. I view them all fairly comparably. Uh, JJ, probably the best athlete of the three. Uh, Bo Nix was a surgical passer this past year. And then Michael Penix, terrific passer, live arm, has an it factor. Uh, I wanted to get him in there as well, but uh, I feel like that exercise becomes a lot clearer and cleaner once we have the ability to make some trades. Yeah, so it sounds like if you had the ability to move some teams back in the first round, then he would have probably landed there. But I get it because we did a project as well, and I had to uh, stay in the second round and take a quarterback for the Giants, and that's how I end up with Michael Penix because, and I said, if in this scenario, they probably would have traded back into the first round, not only because... Uh, he might not be there, but also that fifth-year option is a desirable thing for a team when it comes to a quarterback. You know, look at the Jackson situation. Yep, Lamar Jackson and Teddy Bridgewater, just a couple examples of quarterbacks that went late in the first, I believe in the case of both of them, 32nd overall, and the teams that traded up were at least in part motivated by that fifth-year option. Yeah. Uh, We'll end on this, because I know you're busy and you got to get it, you got to run out. Let's say the Giants don't get a wide receiver in the first round. They end up going quarterback or another position, whatever it may be. How strong is it? I mean, I hear about this wide receiver class. How strong is this wide receiver class later in the draft and specifically in that second round? Because recent history shows, now, if you hit on the Jamar Chases of the world, you know, Justin Jefferson, those guys in the first round, that's a home run. But there have been a ton of big-time second-round hits over the past, you know, decade or so. What's that look like this year in the draft? Strong, really strong. I uh, have my my big board that's always subject to change, but I have it open right now. When you look uh, how it's tiered, the position that I have the hardest time fitting into my uh, my Excel sheet is uh, is the wide receiver spot because there's so many of them, right? I mean, guys that could go in the top of the uh, the second round or maybe the end of the first round include Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, Devontae Walker from North Carolina. Ladd McConkey from Georgia, Xavier Worthy from Texas, Troy Franklin from Oregon, Jalen Polk from Washington, Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky, Keon Coleman from Florida State. He might go into the first round, but all of those players have legit day one starting upside. And you know, it feels like what the Giants need probably a little more size at wide receiver, uh, you know, with some recent investments uh, in guys that uh, profiled more like slot players than they were uh, full time, you know, perimeter guys. So I think if you're. Joe Shane, part of the calculus at, at pick six is if you feel like it's a lost cause with Evan Neal at offensive tackle, uh, then maybe you have to say to yourself, would a Joe Alt plus a Lad McConkey outcome supersede a Malik Neighbors plus, I'm going to give you a couple names, maybe a Jordan Morgan or Kingsley Suamata'ia from BYU. Uh, you're looking for probably a right tackle only in that spot with Andrew Thomas, obviously. So guys that might be available in that early 30s at offensive tackle, uh, a little less certainty in the wide receiver, 
But Malik Neighbors, I think, uh, if Joe Walt's off the board, hard to bypass Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze because of the gap between Joe Walt and the next best offensive tackle. It's always fun when it's draft time, that's for sure. And now Field Yates has entered the conversation, ladies and gentlemen. Field, good luck with this. My only advice to you would be don't read the comments. Don't ever read the comments. They have been turned off. Piper told me he's been doing this since the day social media was started. It seems like it's worked out pretty well for him. Thanks a lot, Field. Good luck. Thanks for coming out. Thanks, buddy. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode here. Thanks to Field Yates. It's officially draft season. We're starting to get into it. We're starting to get little crumbs and tidbits on these players and what to expect from them or the approximate range that they're going to fall. And guess what? We all love it. The draft is is a great event. And what I'm going to do right now, I'll do a little quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. And what I really what I'm going to do right now is lay out the schedule for this podcast of Breaking Big Blue for the next few weeks because I am going on vacation. This podcast is scheduled to drop on Friday. This following week, uh, the week of February, what is it, uh, 19th or whatever, I will be in Cabo soaking up some rays, working on my tan, hanging with the family, maybe even squeezing around the golf. We'll see if uh, the wifey allows that to happen. But anyway... And then I get to show up at the Combine, uh, one of the tennis men there, uh, refreshed, feeling good. And what I'm going to do is, so no podcast this upcoming week. We're going to take a one-week hiatus, rest up, and then get moving, and I'll bring you a podcast and other content. I'll, hopefully, I'll do uh, maybe an Instagram Live or a YouTube Live from Indianapolis at the Combine. Now. Here's the beauty of the combine. I think I tell you this all every year. All the draft prospects are there. You know, people are talking draft. On the field, the underwear Olympics are going on. People are looking at it from a draft perspective. But what's going on in Indianapolis while all of this is happening? Because free agency is about, you know, the week or two right after the combine ends. What's going on in Indianapolis is the groundwork is being laid for all these teams to sign free agents and or sign their own guys too so you know by the end of that week okay what positions they're going to go after what range they're in 
of players, right? Where they're going to spend big. Who, you know, are they going to re-sign Saquon Barkley? Franchise tag him. All this stuff usually happens during that week in Indianapolis. So I'll be collecting all this information and then using it for the next two or three weeks as free agency unfolds. And I'll be delivering it to you right here on Breaking Big Blue, your home for the best Giants nuggets out there. That's what I could provide, right? I'm sitting here by myself doing a podcast. It's hard to be humorous when it's just you. You don't have anybody to play off of. But what I have, the advantage I have on a lot of these other podcasts is I have this information that they don't. And I will be there in Indianapolis collecting it. Oh, I almost choked on myself there. I'll be there in Indianapolis collecting it. So stay tuned. This, This upcoming week, there'll be no Breaking Big Blue. The following week, at least one episode from Indianapolis in the Combine. We'll see you then. I'm Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.